Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we're talking the record debut for Avengers Infinity War. How well did The Walking Dead wrap up its final battle? The winners and losers of the NFL Draft? And which movies do we think you should see this summer? All this and more as we once again delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome back, everyone. It is the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly thank you for tuning in each and every week to both of our programs that we have on the Pop Culture Cosmos channels on online radio and all over the place on our podcast networks. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is the man behind the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. It's Tyler Baker. What's going on, my friend? How are you, my good man? It's good to see you. Always great to see you as well. Always great to have you here as part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. And you are filling in very nicely, as you always do, right on today's show. I want to get everything out of the way right now. We are going to be talking spoilers for both Avengers Infinity yeah. War and also as well The Walking Dead Season 8, the first half hour of the show. So I just want to let everyone know out there but it's going to be a great show because we we are going to be talking about The Walking Dead Season 8, how it wrapped up. I have Daphne Matthew from The Walking Dead fan base, one of the largest Walking Dead fan groups anywhere. She's going to be breaking down how this final battle in Season 8 ended up. Plus also as well, Tyler Baker and I are going to be breaking down the NFL draft. And also we're going to give you our picks for the summer movie season later in the episode but first my friend it is avengers infinity war it exploded man out on the screen i'll tell you what it made a humongous record-winning amount of money over 250 million dollars this weekend at the box office breaking the record that was held by Mm -hmm. star wars the force awakens and over 630 million dollars worldwide the movie itself was just an incredible event from start to finish. Yeah. My friend, I'm going to leave it to you first off. Your thoughts on Avengers Infinity War. And again, I'm going to tell everybody out there for the next few minutes, we've got nothing but spoilers we're going to talk about when it comes to Avengers Infinity War. My recommendation would be to find a nice, comfortable theater. It is a two and a half hour movie. So find one that has the reclining seats, maybe an IMAX 3D. If you have that available to you as well, it is an amazing movie, but it is long. It's two and a half hours, but I'll actually tell you two that. hours, 40 minutes, actually two, even longer okay. than that. 
Yeah, but I'll tell you, you're not going to be bored. <laughs> there are no slow dragging parts in this movie because the Marvel Cinematic Universe has so many characters that they de- that they have developed now, and they did a really good job of peppering everyone in there. I of all of them, I guess Guardian of the Galaxies is probably my favorite, and that whole crew was a big chunk of this movie, and so. There's a lot of funny moments. Iron Man's another big part of this one. And and so be prepared to have a couple laughs, a couple chuckles, and be prepared to be absolutely devastated by what happens at the end of this movie. You could feel it in the theater as Thanos actually wins and about half of the Avengers just dissipate into clouds of ash. So this is not one of those movies where, oh, things are getting close, but the good guys win. The good guys do not win in this. Half of them survive. It's mind-blowing. Well, I will say this. For me, it was such an awesome experience, but I've never really experienced something as far as that much tension. You talked about the reclining seats and whatnot. I actually went to a theater that didn't have the reclining seats, but I couldn't relax. I've never (laughs) been to a movie before for that long period of time where I felt in my body so much tension and nervousness about who's going to live and who's going to die. I was at the edge of my seat. I know literally, I know that's a cliche. I know I'm throwing Mm -hmm. it out there, but I was literally at the edge of my seat. And as these individuals were either being killed off in the earlier parts of the movie, like Gamora, like Loki, like Heimdall, Or they were being saved for last as far as when Thanos, like you said, wins out and destroys half the universe as far as the population is concerned, which includes half of the Avengers, literally, yeah. uh, one by one by one, where it was Black Panther, whether it was the Winter Soldier, whether it was Scarlet Witch. The Vision actually just got knocked off just before that happened as well. So, so many names out there that just are truly special to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As of right now, they're either people theorize maybe they were sucked up by the Soul Stone or or just dissipate entirely. So right now, obviously, there's a lot of mystery and, and intrigue yeah. about what is going to happen in the Avengers Part 4 next year and how are they going to be able to get those individuals back to life? Because in the case of Black Panther... The dude just made one point three billion dollars. <laughs> I know they're going to bring him back to life some form of fashion. I know. And when he first came on scene in that movie, people I could hear people around me going, "Yeah, there he is. Yeah." And you know, it's funny. You're going to be talking about The Walking Dead on this episode. This movie reminded me a lot of The Walking Dead in that really big characters are dying. It really reminded me of, okay, you know, no, nobody's sacred, nobody's safe. Anybody at any moment could go in this movie. I mean, the opening scenes, Loki dies and it, and it, and it just keeps happening. And then man, man, the last two minutes of the movie, absolutely. The theater that I was in was dead silent. People just could not believe what they were seeing. And for a movie to be able to do that, it's awesome. When they started dying off, People just were just started to cry, especially Spider-Man. When he passed, there was half a row of Spider-Man fans dressed in Spider-Man costume. And you could hear them sobbing as he was perishing. Although, you know, Sony's not going to give that up, man, as well. You know he's going to come back as well. Well, one of those stones is the Time Stone. Yes, the Time Stone, but also the Soul Stone as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, maybe this, they set the groundwork for an avenue to get control of these stones back and maybe make things right that were wronged. Who knows? But for right now, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, is devastated. It is. And the Infinity Gauntlet itself, if you notice, after Thanos just snapped his fingers, the Infinity Gauntlet itself was damaged, could be destroyed because it, it was all charred. And yeah, and yeah it, it, it already done its dark magic. And I will actually break this down even further with Josh later in the week on our Friday show, the PCC Multiverse. Thanos, played by Josh Brolin, did an amazing job of convincing yes. you that he was not 100% evil and whatnot. Yeah. He, that he had a purpose, that he had a mission to what he was doing that he had in his own mind legitimate reasons for carrying out the destructive nature that he was doing. And he's not a typical villain, like you said, that's just pure evil. And this movie did a really good job of continuing to develop that character. In the other movies, he's more of just kind of this nemesis, and you really didn't know a lot about him. The flashbacks with his daughter and then the sacrifice that was made and the emotion that was shown you're right. It does touch on like, hey, you know, there are two sides to this evil and he is completely evil. I mean, <laughs> he but he's not insane because he's thinking out things in a logistical fashion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, everything was cold and calculated, but as even said himself during the course of the movie, it was a logistical way to try and combat the issues of overpopulation and the drain on resources because there's a finite amount of resources in the universe and he was acting in the only way that he thought was reasonable and sensible to him. That unfortunately meant the death of a lot of individuals beforehand and then after he gained all the stones in the Infinity Gauntlet. I was surprised that he was actually able to get all the stones and then furthermore, I was surprised that he was actually able to carry out his snap and yeah. actually wipe out that was that was a big thing because we had been leaded in and thought that maybe cap is going to die in the battle but they're going to save the day or iron man might perish but you know the day might be saved turns out almost everybody from the earlier part in fact pretty much everybody from the earlier part of the phase one of the marvel cinematic universe is still alive in some form or fashion I think really when it starts down to it, I think Winter Soldier and Falcon are the first individuals that have been there longest that I think get knocked off first. Me the too. kind of carnage that was there was just truly, it was gutsy, and I think it was the right call to make. This movie will emotionally move you, and I know when I go watch a movie, I want something that's going to be thought-provoking, something that's going to move me, something that's going to enthrall me. This movie did that. This is such a good movie. I think it is genuinely one of the best movies I've ever seen. Now, you would have to have seen some of these other Marvel movies for you to already be endeared to these characters for this movie to really have the impact that it is meant to have. But man, I 100% agree. This is a great, great movie, and I cannot wait to go see it again in the theaters. I'm probably going to go again tomorrow. I am going to go sometime, hopefully next week as well, and I definitely encourage everyone to do so. But if you have not become familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you do need to check out at least one of those breakdowns that you can catch on YouTube or whatever 
familiarize yourself with the Marvel Cinematic Universe somewhat, or else it even three hours is going to be two hours and 40 minutes of, of being lost a little bit in time and time again, mm-hmm. looking for explanations mm-hmm. as far as what's going on and where is it going on and why is it doing this and why is Thanos doing that and, and why are the Avengers doing this? There's going to be some questions that need to be asked if you are not familiarized yourself, at least in a little bit with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But overall, it is a tremendous experience. I highly recommend it. Tyler recommends it too. And we just cannot say enough good things about it. Any last thoughts on Avengers Infinity War, my friend? I have no idea what they're going to do with the next movie. And that makes me want to see it even more. (laughs) Exactly. Because it does feel like this is a part one. And that was the original. It was called originally Infinity War Part One. Okay. So so even though they gave it its own name and they're going to give the second one a different name, Mm. it does feel like a part one because Thanos does win out. And Thanos is just sitting there chilling because he accomplished his mission and I will tell you right now, it is a tremendous, tremendous job done again by the Russo brothers. And you should definitely make an effort to go see Avengers Infinity War in the theaters because it is truly an event worth watching. What are your thoughts on Avengers Infinity War? If you haven't seen already, you got to go check it out. But if you have, what did you think? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanica Media. Game Source, or Fantasy Football Pater Podcast on Facebook. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And we're back with the program. Thank you so much for sticking around and enjoying what we have going on here with the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. We truly appreciate it. I haven't been able to talk too much about this show on our show. It's something that over the past few years has definitely become a defining show within the realm of pop culture, and that is The Walking Dead. AMC's big hit over the past eight seasons it's done tremendously well over that span of time but there's kind of like some watershed moments right now as far as not only what went on in the finale for season eight and season eight as a whole but also the future of the series as well and who better to talk to me than one of the leading administrators for the walking dead fan base which is one of the largest walking dead fan groups anywhere you can go it's available on facebook as a page or a group it's the walking dead fan base and i'll tell you what it's great to have her here with us tonight it is daphne matthew how are you today good evening gerald i'm doing fine season eight has been completed it did get completed with a final battle i'll put that in quotations between leaders negan from the saviors and rick from obviously our hero over the course of time, Rick Grimes over the course of eight seasons has been such a integral part of the series. Your thoughts on the way season eight wrapped up and also as well season eight as a whole, because I know you have some thoughts on that as well. Oh, I do. Uh, as far as the finale go, I think the finale was done. It was done pretty well. It could have been longer. I think a lot of people were hoping that the final battle would have been longer and more, a little bit more detailed, but 
I guess because fear started right after it or time frames or what have you not. It was just a regular one hour, five minutes episode. But within that time span, they did cover a lot of ground. They resolved the issue mostly between Megan and Rick with the original comic book ending for All Out War, which was Rick splitting Megan's throat and saving him. As regards to Maggie's reaction, I think that was a normal reaction for a woman who just lost her husband. But the twist to it was the last scene between her, Jesus, and Daryl, where she, it appears that she's plotting something. Now, whether it's... An eternal civil war, perhaps? Yes. I don't know. I mean, um, I also read the comics, so I'm a li- I pretty much know what happens after All Out War, but I won't give it away because I would like to see how it comes out on the show. But I think a lot of people were a little bit surprised with her reaction. I mean, the grieving widow, that's understandable and all, but for her to actually, her Jesus, especially Jesus, because we haven't seen Jesus. It's like he started showing up in season six. We didn't see him most of seven, most of eight. And then all of a sudden, in the very last episode, he's sitting there with Maggie plotting to take action against Rick along oh, with along with Daryl. Daryl, that was very shocking. Well, I, uh, obviously that was done for shock factor. But also as well, Jesus, like you said, being suddenly pushed into maybe a forefront role, which is something that is different from the comic books because it's had a stronger impact in the comics than the TV show up until this point. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. I mean, it was like a lot of people, what are the, one of the posts that was common on the fan base was actually, where is Jesus? I mean, it was like he vanished for like a season and a half. It was like he was there in the beginning. He introduced Rick to the kingdom and to the hilltop. And then it was like, you didn't see him much. It was like, okay, this guy is supposed to be an integral character in the storyline. He's actually supposed to be Maggie's confidant. And also, you know, he had more of a role in the comics and then all of a sudden you don't see him. And it's like, okay, where's this going? Um, Did they do a heat for us and write him out? And we didn't know about it, but then he shows up Episode 14, when the um, hilltop got attacked by Simon, and he killed a couple of reanimated hilltop people. And then in the finale, he was there for a little while. So it was really interesting to see that they have not utilized that character at all throughout his tenure on The Walking Dead. So far. I'll say so far. So far, so far. And obviously it looks like he's going to play a larger role on the television series going forward, at least in the interim, because you know how they love to take out main characters at some point in time that are not named Rick Grimes. Speaking, <laughs> of, speaking of that, there is a couple questions I want to ask you in regards to season eight and actually the finale as well. But I'll ask you the first one, which I know you mentioned before we went on the air, and that is Rick's son, Carl, or, or I should say Carl. Carl, you know, I heard almost eight seasons of that. But anyways, Carl's death seemed to have been very polarizing amongst the hardcore contingent out there that are in groups such as yours, which is one of the largest that is out there. Your thoughts on Carl Grimes' death and was it necessary and did it help actually bring everything together for the series? Carl's death was a shock throughout the Walking Dead community. 
it was huge. I mean, it seems like every character before they die, prime example, Abraham, they have some kind of build up before they actually die. Something changes within their character over the course of maybe one or two seasons. And then, you know, unfortunately, this season they're going to die because Abraham, everybody kind of sort of, see, come in, but with Carl, it was like instantaneous. It was like all through season seven, he wanted to kill Negan. He actually went to the sanctuary, found Negan, killed two of his men. Then all of a sudden, in the beginning, season eight, the first episode, Mercy, he's like kind of laid back wanting to help people, um, giving his dad drama about, you know, there's got to be something more. And everybody's like, where did this come from? The course of the season, from the time lapse between season seven and season eight, there was none. It was just a continuation of season seven. So a lot of people across the Walking Dead communities did not understand that. It was like, what's going on with this kid? The way they set it up was was really difficult to watch. Like you said, there's usually some signs, like in the case of Sonequa Martin-Green, you knew she was taking the job as the star of Star Trek Discovery, so you knew she was going to be knocked off at some point. But with Carl, as we've talked about again before the show, the show deviates when it wants to from the comic books and vice versa. In this case, Carl's still alive in the comic books, if I'm not mistaken. He's alive, he's well, and... It was really shocking when the reveal was made in the mid-season finale that he was actually dead. It was like, wait a minute, Father Gabriel's sick, so maybe there's a chance that Carl won't die. But unfortunately, also as part of being a member of a large Walking Dead community, you do hear things on the outside that kind of like gives you an idea that, okay, there was a reason for his death outside the show. And it was just really bad. It was hard for a lot of people to take. A lot of people were in denial for months. Nobody actually understood where did he hear that because he wasn't with Carl when um, Carl first met Sadiq. He actually ran Sadiq off, so it was like, so when did he hear that? Why is he saying that? Did Carl say something to him? What happened to the kids? It's still to this day, after the whole season's been wrapped, they still haven't been given any reason as to exactly what the reason was for killing Paul. There is no, I mean, Scott Gimple promised during the mid-season finale that there was a definitive reason that it would be revealed throughout the course of the remaining episodes, and we didn't get that. It was just like, okay, well, we know the war ended, but what was Paul's role in it? Okay, the letter, the letter to Rick was very touching, but it still doesn't explain it. It doesn't give any explanation why he had to die. So it's still, I will say that death in itself was one of the biggest and most traumatic deaths of all the walking dead. I mean, his mother died. That was very traumatic. Everybody. And he was supposed to live because she wanted him to beat this thing. Is that correct as well? Yeah, he was supposed to live for two reasons. One was that his mother's dying wish. And the other one was that he eventually was supposed to take over. I mean, next season is supposed to be, and everybody knows this because it's been teased, the Whisperer storyline, which was Carl's coming of age storyline. And all of a sudden now, it's not going to happen the way it did in the comics. So now the communities on the whole are left with a big gap with, well, how are they going to play this out? Because there is nobody 
close to Carl's age on the show that could carry that storyline. So I guess they're going to leave out the call part of the Whisperer storyline and just hopefully it'll be shorter because one of the biggest complaints about season eight was that All Out War took the whole season. And Scott Gimple said very early on before it even aired that All Out War would not take a whole season. So there's a lot of, how should I say it, irk with Scott Gimple about that. Yeah, there was, oh God, there was like a 100,000 signature petition to fire him. <laughs> he didn't get fired, but he's no longer involved with the show on a day-to-day basis. So that, 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 Scott, that Scott Gimple, who was the showrunner for The Walking Dead, who, like you said, was bumped up to executive producer role as far right. as over both the series The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead, as right. far as now that the great actor Lenny James, who does a tremendous performance. I love Morgan as far as his oh. character is concerned. And he's now transitions over to try and spice things up for Fear of the Walking Dead. But we'll go into that a little bit later. Yeah. I want to ask you one last question on season eight, because I'm going to be honest with you. It was a really big letdown for me on this all out war that actually never really happened. It was actually pretty much Eugene coming up to save the day. <laughs> but was it a good move to, in this case, follow what the comic books are doing and actually save Negan, just get his throat slashed from Rick, similar to what happened in the comic books, and end up the punishment is that he's going to be locked in a cage to see this civilization grow and prosper. Meanwhile, just his presence being the antagonist for individuals, like you said, like Daryl, Jesus, and most importantly, Maggie, who is the leader of the Hilltop at this point in time. Do you think it was a good call to make to follow the actual storyline of the comic books, or do you think they should have deviated in a different direction? Me personally, I think it was great that they didn't kill him. I think for two reasons. One of them is that keeping Negan alive was the thing that changed Rick, because as we saw Rick's character change, over the course of season seven after Glenn and Abraham got killed. Actually, it goes further back because Rick was sort of Negan-ish in seasons five and six when they were on the road going to Alexandria, even going back to the prison. His whole stance was after they got off the farm and every community they encountered was that if they don't step in line, we'll just take them over. So he was sort of Negan-ish, but he wasn't exactly Negan to that point of brutality like Negan was. I mean, Rick was brutal. Rick killed some people and it was not pretty to see him kill them, but he did have some characteristics of Negan. But I think for Rick personally, after losing Carl, after losing his wife, after losing people he loved, his so-called right-hand man in Glenn, he had Abraham and unfortunately Abraham's comic character was better than on the show. His character didn't develop fully like his comic character. He was at one point, the, instead of Daryl, the person Rick went to for strategic advice in the comics, whereas Daryl was on the show. So basically, you know, with the finale, with Rick not killing him, it was sort of a redemption for Rick himself too. He had to take a step back. I mean, he read Carl's letter. Everybody saw the episode where he read Carl's letter and he still wanted to kill Negan. He didn't care what Carl said. 
if Carl's dying words and wishes could not stop Rick from killing Negan, seeing Negan vulnerable in that moment when he begged for 10 seconds and he saw Negan's expression, like, you know, okay, because he knew Negan loved Carl. So Rick used that to his advantage when he begged for 10 seconds and he said, for Carl, please. And I think in that moment, Rick realized by killing Negan, he would just become another monster like Negan. And he couldn't do that. That's never been Rick's nature from when he woke up in the hospital until now. So I think for him, killing Negan would have been too easy. It would have just been one act and it would have been over. And then it would have been like, okay, so where does the group go from him? So having Negan in the prison now is basically a reminder of Rick of what the world was during All Out War and since Negan came on the scene and also what the world can be afterwards. So I think them following that comic arc and not killing Negan was the right thing to do. I'm going to tell you right now, I am of the minority because if you look at any Facebook group. I thought you would say that. Even today, two weeks, nearly two weeks after the finale aired, people are still upset that Negan is still alive. I'm not going to say Negan will never be fully redeemed. And Negan is really not truly a bad guy. If you looked at the governor and you looked at Negan, the governor was, in my opinion, was way worse than Negan. He killed everybody. He didn't care about anything or anybody. He was just, he killed all of his people. So he was not evil personified as some of these bad guys we've had on the show. He did things in his mind. He believed it was for a reason. He thought this was the way to save people by being, how should I say, the big, the big man and, you know, having people in line and, having his harem of wives. I mean, there was some parts of Negan nobody could like. I mean, his own mother may have not even liked him with some of the things he said. This is <laughs> but true. he thought his way was a means to an end. I thought it was a good move. I thought it was a smart move. And that's going to be the whole debate all summer. Why Carl is dead and why is Negan still alive? So that's what you're going to see across Facebook the whole summer. Once again, it's Daphne Matthew from The Walking Dead fan base. Facebook group and Facebook page. If you are a fan of the series, you got to go and check out their pages today on Facebook. Sign up and be a part of that ever growing community of Walking Dead fans that love to share their opinions on the show and the future of the series. Daphne, I just want to tell you, it's been tremendous talking to you about The Walking Dead. Anytime. Thank you so much, Daphne, for being a part of the show and, of course, a part of the pop culture cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from robmccallumfilms.com. robmccallumfilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. And we're back. We just want to make sure and let you know our shows are being streamed seven days a week on online radio stations and that we deliver two brand new shows covering the latest in pop culture each and every Monday and Friday to Apple Podcasts or over 30 different podcast networks. 
Just subscribe to any one of them on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel to get extra content or just check out the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page for our entire radio schedule and a list of those podcast networks. And don't forget the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast Facebook group. You got to join up today if you're a fan of football or you really want to get the leg up on the upcoming football season for all you fantasy football players out there. Speaking of football, the NFL draft just concluded this weekend. A lot of great things going on. A lot of not so great things going on if you're some certain teams that made some lousy choices. But Mm -hmm. while we don't know 100% how this is all going to work out, your thoughts on the best three or four teams that you think made out in this year's 2018 NFL draft. We can come back and ask questions about 2018, maybe in 2020 or 2022. You just don't know. Teams have needs. And, and how they position themselves in the drafts to either take the best player or fill positional needs. Those are decisions that are made in rooms with men that are very, very qualified to do that. So we can only sit on the outside and, and kind of guess a little bit. But there were some interesting things in this draft. The Cleveland Browns, you, if you're going to talk about the 2018 draft, you have to talk about the Cleveland Browns and what they did. They had the number one and the number four overall picks. I thought maybe they were going to trade down and maybe accumulate some second and third round picks that ended up not happening. And with their first pick, they take Baker Mayfield, which I don't think many people were expecting at all. I don't think anyone thought that he was the best quarterback in this draft class. And he certainly was not the best player. And if you're going to use your number one overall pick, you want it to be a safe pick. And they did not go safe pick with Baker Mayfield. And they picked up Nick Chubb, who I really like. They got him in the second round. That guy is a bruiser. He is a very good running back that I think is going to complement well. Whereas Isaiah Crell was kind of the early down back, but he could kind of do it all. I think I think Nick Chubb is more of an early down back. With their number four overall pick, because they had two picks in that first round, they did get Denzel Ward, which was a little bit of a question mark because maybe he shouldn't have gone that high. But again, the Browns needed a shutdown corner. They want that magic that they had with Joe Hayden years ago. So Whereas in the in their first two picks, they got a questionable quarterback and maybe a cornerback that went too high. But from the Browns' point of view, those might be the guys that they absolutely needed for their team. But it was interesting that they did not trade down and try to accumulate more picks. They liked where they were, and they did manage to infuse a lot of new talent in that offense. The Cleveland Browns, I think, are going to get the most critiquing for what they did as far as in this draft, but I think that so far, the new regime there in Cleveland, I think they did a pretty good job in addressing needs for their team. The Indianapolis Colts, they've needed to take care of Andrew Luck. They haven't. That offensive line has been terrible. Andrew Luck has missed a lot of games in the last couple of years. So the Indianapolis Colts answered by spending a couple high draft picks on some offensive linemen. And that is imperative if they expect to keep Andrew Luck healthy, if they expect that offense to run through their franchise quarterback, if they want to keep him on the field, they needed to invest in the offensive line, and they did a really good job of doing that in this draft. One thing that 
I'm going to say right now is there was no definitive number one quarterback. There was no quarterback that stood out as far as head and shoulders. Like we had talked about, there was issues with pretty much each and every one that was being yeah. considered for that top spot. Baker Mayfield, I think that his height and also his overconfidence might be scary to some with Sam Darnold. The fact that he creates a lot of turnovers, Josh Rosen he fell down. I think a lot of it is due to health because he could never stay healthy when he was with UCLA, even though I think he might have the most talent. Josh Allen of Wyoming, basically it's the competition playing at Wyoming. He might've had the best natural talent of any of them, but the competition that he faced, is that going to be an issue? Because it's really going to be a step up from what he's used to playing when he was at Wyoming. Lamar Jackson, I guess there's an issue, even though he's extremely athletic. A lot of people do not have confidence in his accuracy or his arm strength. There's questions, like I said, with each and every one. I didn't think there was a definitive number one quarterback. There, Hopefully there will be at least one or two good quarterbacks that come out of the slot. Sure. Of them that I mentioned, was there any that stuck out to you as being one that might break out of the pack and people need to keep an eye on, especially all those fantasy football league owners out there? Well, for fantasy, I definitely shy away from rookie quarterbacks. But if you're talking about the winners and losers, I think you have to look at the Ravens and how Ozzie Newsom managed to jump back up into the first round and get two first round picks and, and getting Lamar Jackson. Now, he doesn't have to bring Lamar Jackson into play right now. There's a very good veteran there in Joe Flacco that Jackson can learn behind. And I think it's really good for the franchise in that they know who their guy of the future is. They, and they, they don't have to run him out there right now. So if there's one guy that's really, I think was a really, really smart move. I think it was the Ravens getting Lamar Jackson. Now the other quarterbacks and, and where they fell, you know, I, I can't say that there's one that really stands out. I think you would have to go look at New York. I think the Jets getting Sam Darnold. I think he's in a position where he can come in and play maybe sooner rather than later. You know, rookie quarterbacks, it's just it's just a big learning curve coming into the pros. And it's not very often that that you have a rookie come you you don't often get a Deshaun Watson that'll come in and just light it up. It just doesn't happen very often. So for fantasy purposes, I'm not really paying that much attention. You also are going to be able to be hard-pressed to find that next Dak Prescott mm-hmm. like the Cowboys did and that could just literally just jump right in and lead your team to a winning record mm-hmm. and also be able to provide the stats from it. It is a big learning curve, and there's only a few quarterbacks that can transition from the college ranks and be able to master that game so quickly. Speaking of quarterbacks, I want to talk about the New York Giants not getting a quarterback at number two. Honestly, I I was a a little bit surprised by it, but it makes really good sense. The New York Giants, they need help on that offensive line. They need a running game. Without help on the offensive line, without a running game, Eli Manning is going to continue spiraling downward. So the Giants chose not to get a quarterback, but what they did do, and I thought it was really smart, they got a stud running back that they're going to have 
for quite a long time. I think that that is probably going to make a better impact for the future of the New York Giants than taking a chance on one of these quarterbacks. Because what if you, with the number two pick, take a chance on a quarterback and it doesn't pan out? Well, with Shaquan Barkley, yeah, number two overall is really high to take a running back, but he's one of the best running backs that's come out in a very long time. And what he can do for that New York Giants offense will alleviate a lot of the pressure that Eli Manning is under and probably help them get a couple more years out of Eli Manning. So it's kind of pushing the problem off a little bit, but I think it was a really smart move. One last thing before we head on out, who do you think made the poorest choices in the NFL draft? Because I know a lot of people are really going hard on the Seattle Seahawks on the fact that they basically are trying in a passing league to go backwards in time and trying to see if they can try and go ahead and revert back to a run-dominant game. Is that something that stuck out to you? And are there, are there any other teams that really made poor choices this year in the NFL draft? There were a couple teams that just didn't have a lot to work with. The Texans didn't have a lot to work with. There were a couple of other teams that didn't have early round picks. But if you're looking at the losers, it is 100% Seattle. If you listen to my podcast last year, I was not high on Russell Wilson. I was not high on that team period because of their refusal to, to address the offensive line. And here we are, 2018, and they picked a punter. They traded up and got a punter before they started working on that offensive line. I don't know what these guys are thinking. Now, they're the professionals, and I'm just some dude on a podcast. But I don't understand how they can completely neglect the offensive line when Russell Wilson has been running for his life for the last couple of seasons. Have they learned no lesson from the Colts? Have they learned no lessons in watching Russell Wilson limping around on the field and still trying to make it happen? I just don't understand it. And even the picks that they made, I didn't think were very good. Yeah, they they got a great punter. Good. (laughs) That's great. But they didn't do anything to address the biggest need on that team. And that defense has been crumbling and and that defense is getting picked apart. And they waited with the exception of Rashawn Green. They really waited to late in the draft to work on their defense. So their two biggest needs, I think they just completely rejected, but they got a great running back. And you know what? That's good. I think they took them too early and I can understand the team's frustration in having all of these running backs that they have that just can't stay healthy. CJ Procise is a great athlete. He doesn't play because he's not healthy. Chris Carson gets hurt. They had a awful band-aid with Thomas Rawls and Eddie Lacy and all these guys are getting hurt all the time. So I can understand how they would want to find some safety in a running back that they think that can stay healthy. But I just think they made bad decisions in not addressing the problems that their team really has. And instead, they, I think, played to their anxieties about having a healthy running game. I don't know what they're doing there. And most of the commentary that I've, that I've read agrees with that, that they, they just neglected their needs. Neither to me as well. And it's a shame because the once mighty Seahawks look like they're going to be falling hard based on their decisions in the NFL draft. Unfortunately, I think you're right. What are your thoughts on the NFL draft? Did your team do what it needed to do in the draft and as far as getting picks that would address their needs? Or do you think that your team or another team that you really care for really made some poor choices this year in the NFL draft? Share us your thoughts, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, 
Game Source, Inside Sports, and also as well, Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast on Facebook, PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com, or PopCultureCosmos, Manica Media, and Game Source on Twitter. When we come back, Tyler and I are going to be breaking down the summer movie season and have our five picks on exactly which movies we think you should see this summer. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. We truly appreciate you sticking around with us. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos closing out the show. We just want to thank, again, Daphne Matthew. So great to have her on Talking the Walking Dead. Also, as well, my good friend Tyler Baker right here. Thank you so much for subbing in for the disappearing (laughs) Josh Peterson. He didn't meet the same demise as half the galaxy population. (laughs) But we will be back on Friday talking about Avengers Infinity War. More spoilers to talk about and our deep thoughts on that and so much more. But my friend... It is that time of the year. The annual Marvel movie comes out. It kicks off the summer box office movie mm-hmm. season. Oh yeah! And I wanted to go over, my friend, with you some of your choices on there. But first, let me break down to everyone out there just a little bit about some of the big movies that are coming out in the next few months. In May, the big movies that are coming out in May are Life of the Party with Melissa McCarthy. That's coming out on May 11th. You also have Deadpool 2 coming out May the 18th. After that, on Memorial Day weekend, May 25th, you've got Solo, A Star Wars Story. In June, the movies to look out for, I think, are Ocean's 8 on June 8th. Hereditary, also that comes out on June 8th as a horror movie. Probably one of those nice, low-budget horror movies that's going to make a ton of money. And you also have, on June the 15th, The Incredibles 2, Tag and Superfly, those are all going wide on June the 15th. On the 22nd of June, you've got Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. On the 29th of June, you've got Sicario, Day of the Soldado, and also Uncle Drew coming out again, both on June 29th, plus also as well, The Hustle and Sanju as well. Those are some movies to look out for in June. In July, you've got The First Purge a continuance of the Purge iterations. and That is coming out on July the 4th. July the 6th, you've got Ant-Man and the Wasp continuing that Marvel Cinematic Universe, although this takes place before the events of Infinity War. I believe it takes place right after Civil War, but obviously we'll know for sure when that movie comes out July the 6th. You've got on the 13th, you've got Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer Vacation, and Skyscraper with The Rock, starring in another probably highly critically acclaimed movie, just like Rampage, and I'm being totally facetious when I say that. (laughs) On the 20th, The Equalizer 2 with Denzel Washington. I'm going to say it's a stretch, but I think he probably kills a lot of people in that movie. (laughs) Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Both of those movies are coming out July 20th. 
on July 27th, Tom Cruise, guess what? He's in another Mission Impossible. And this time it's Mission Impossible Fallout and Teen Titans Go to the movies. They're both coming out on July the 27th. And in August, we're going to go with Disney's Christopher Robin. That comes out on August 3rd. Mile 22, that's also very interesting, coming out on August 3rd as well. I believe that one is with Mark Wahlberg, The Spy Who Dumped Me. That's a comedy coming up on August 3rd as well. August 10th, you've got The Meg, which a lot of people are already just like as a sci-fi thriller, just really just already pooping on that one. That one's with Jason Statham and a lot of other well-known character actors fighting off this large water-based beast that's coming up on august 10th alpha that's coming out on august 17th slender man another horror movie that one might be interesting as far as because of the well-known stories that are behind the slender man series as far as not from a game standpoint but also from a folk story standpoint that's coming out on august 24th now that you heard me run down a lot of those movies let me not forget replicas with Keanu Reeves, that comes out August 24th. Now that you heard me break down all those movies for May, June, July, and August. And again, there's a lot more movies that are coming out during those time periods. But I think I was just trying to point out some of the bigger entries that were coming out in those months. Now that I broke those down, share your thoughts with me on the five movies you think people should see when it comes to the summer movie season. Well, after watching Infinity Wars, I feel like they're all going to be letdowns. <laughs> <laughs> good thing. Good thing. That's a good point. <laughs> but staying in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you mentioned Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like you said, that is a prequel to Infinity Wars. I'm looking forward to that. I like Ant-Man. He's fun. He's funny. He can do some cool stuff. And introducing a similar character in the Wasp, I think that that's going to be an interesting film. going to be looking forward to seeing that one. And they're also going to explain most likely why he he and she were not in Infinity War as far as not being there. And then also if they got wiped out as far as half the other population, that's something to think about as well. Yeah, he was curiously absent from Infinity War. And maybe, like you said, Ant-Man and Wasp movie will answer why they were not there because the universe was in peril. <laughs> I mean, Infinity War had its share of individuals that were familiar with in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that were not there. Ant-Man, Hawkeye, they're a couple of the most glaring omissions. But again, it might be explained why in the upcoming Ant-Man and the Wasp. So break down even more. What you got, man? What else you got? Well, staying along those lines, you know what? I think I like Chris Pratt. The roles that he takes are usually fun to watch. I think he did a really good job in the last Jurassic movie. And of course, there's another Jurassic movie coming out. And having seen the previews today, while I was sitting waiting for Infinity Wars to start, it looked like more of what you can expect from Chris Pratt. Kind of a lovable character, good sense of humor, and then gigantic dinosaurs that want to eat you. This looks interesting. It looks like the powers that be are trying to weaponize the dinosaurs, and this looks like it could be a 
a fun movie to watch. You know what you're going to expect. It's big dinosaurs and they're going to scare you. But Chris Pratt in the last Jurassic movie had a way of communicating with the dinosaurs. So it might be fun to see him fighting for the dinosaurs against, you know, militaries that want to weaponize the dinosaurs. So I'm looking forward to seeing that one. I think it'll be a fun movie, a little bit scary. And of course, you get Jeff Goldblum coming back in his role as Ian Malcolm and it should be a good movie. I'm looking forward to seeing that one. I would like to agree with you. I've never been high on the Jurassic Park series. I've seen all of them, but the, I just, I don't go out to the theaters. I don't make an effort to go see those really 100% right away. But uh, if people get a lot of thrills and enjoyment out of them, my gosh, then by all means, because they do have a formula, they stick to it, and really a lot of people seem to enjoy it, and more power to them if that's the case. Well, a movie I know you're going to be standing in line to see is the Solo movie. Oh my gosh, saw a preview for it today. How does the scruffy head nerf herder get to be Han Solo? We're going to find out. It looks amazing. Of course, it's a Star Wars movie. I know you're going to be camping out to see it. I'll be in the tent next to you. Man, this is going to be the highlight of the summer for me. I loved Infinity War, but I grew up on Star Wars. And to see the story behind Han Solo, how he came to be who he is, I cannot wait to see this movie. I will be wearing my Han Solo shirt, rest (laughs) assured. I know there are a couple more choices for you as well, I believe. You know what? I'm looking forward to Ocean's 8. I've really enjoyed the the Ocean's franchise. They do a really good job with the twists and the turns and the characters. And I'm looking forward to an influx of new characters that we don't know yet. Now, Sandra Bullock stars in this, and she is going to be Danny Ocean's sister, George Clooney's character. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing a fresh new cast. Although I really liked the old cast of the Ocean's movies and whatever heist that they're up to. Just seems like it's going to be a fun, entertaining, clever movie to watch. I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Lay it on me, man. What's that final film you've got on your mind when it comes to movies to watch this summer? Well, as I was sitting in my comfortable chair waiting for the Avengers movie to start, they showed a preview for Mission Impossible. And it has this incredible motorcycle chase scene through Paris. Just watching that preview, I knew I was going to have to go watch this film. Now, Mission Impossible, you know what you're getting. It is huge explosions and gigantic stunts and things that are a little over the top, which isn't always what draws me to a movie. But when I'm watching that motorcycle chase, I I just I knew I was going to have to go see this movie. What are some of the movies that you're going to make it a point to go see this summer? Funny you should ask that. And I'll break it down real quickly for everyone out there. I'm going to start off with Incredibles 2, which I had indicated a couple weeks ago as being the sequel to my favorite Pixar movie. Hmm. Uh, Incredibles, the first one, was truly a great experience to watch. I still enjoy it to this very day, and I'm so excited to see this role reversal that is now going to happen when it comes to Incredibles 2. Yeah, yeah, that should be a good one. You're right. That first movie, it was a great movie. It was a fun movie to watch. It was heartwarming. You're right. The role reversal, it should be interesting. It is going to be interesting indeed, and definitely another hit for Pixar on the way. 
Deadpool 2, I mean, it's the sequel to a big surprise at the box office when the original came out. Now it adds the element of Josh Brolin stepping out of the Thanos makeup and into the Cable makeup. Cannot wait to see that movie. It's going to be hilarious. I'm going to, I know I'm going to be laughing from beginning to end on that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Equalizer 2, uh, actually, I've seen the movie with Denzel Washington uh-huh. previously, and I, I, I enjoyed it. Although, like I said in the preview that we were just talking about earlier, he's going to kill a lot of people, and that's yeah. what it's all about. People are just going to see him <laughs> knocking off one bad guy after the other because that's what he's best at doing as the Equalizer. Sicario 2 is something I also want to see. I just saw Sicario, the original, about three weeks ago. I was sorry that I didn't get a chance to see it in the theaters. It's still, it's going to have, again, Josh Brolin along with (laughs) the guy he, he, presumably he kills uh, the collector in the Infinity War, Benicio Del Toro, who we think (laughs) got killed in the Infinity War by Josh Brolin. I mean, that's like Kevin Bacon (laughs) here. Seven steps to Kevin Bacon, seven (laughs) steps to Josh Brolin in this case. so It's it's, the summer of Josh Brolin, ladies and gentlemen. It is, it is. He's going to be making out like a bandit, I tell you. But he's back in Sicario 2. So is Benicio Del Toro. And they were ruthless in this movie. And I enjoyed it. Now they're going to start an all-out war against the drug cartels in this movie. And I I definitely want to see it and make it a a definite watch on my list. I fully intend to see every Josh Brolin movie this summer. There you go. That includes Sicario 2. So I think it's Day of the Soldado, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yes. So definitely check that out. My last movie is kind of a surprise. And I didn't mention it in our preview. And I kind of kept it a secret for a reason. And that is on July 11th. It's going to be on a Sunday. It's a re-release. It's going to be in limited theaters, but if you get a chance to check it out, it is the re-release of the Beatles' Yellow Submarine. Oh, I didn't and, know that they were going to re-release that and show. Yes, it. so I'm assuming if since it's re-release, it's going to be it's been digitally retouched. Yeah, and a movie that was I thought on my old 1970s, 1980s color TV that was horrible to look at or whatnot <laughs> still was enjoyable to watch. And the colors popped out at that point in time on that. Just imagine if it's been redone digitally and how it will look on the big screen. The yellow submarine by the Beatles was just, I've only seen it a couple times in my life because it's been really hard to catch, but I, I enjoyed it so much. And I tell you what, it is truly uh, something that is special. And I, maybe I may take my girls to it to have them better understand who the Beatles were and what the phenomenon was all about. But it definitely is something that you know, if you're a longtime fan of the band or even if someone you just want to know more about that time frame that the Beatles were so huge in, you should check out the re-release of The Yellow Submarine when it hits theaters in probably a limited fashion on July the 11th. Wow, good call on that one. Yeah, you threw me a curveball. <laughs> well, what do you think about that, man? If it is anywhere near me, I probably will see it. I saw it was a couple of years ago, Led Zeppelin's Song Remains the Same was put in theaters. And of course, I went to watch it, and it was great. I'm a huge Zeppelin fan. I still, still listen to Led Zeppelin. I don't listen to the Beatles as much anymore, but there was a time in my life when I was in high school where we all just caught on to the Beatles. It, it is such good music. It's timeless music. 50, 100 years from now, somebody's going to plug in a Beatles song and they're going to love it. I, I mean, the music is just so good. And 
the prospect of them re-releasing Yellow Submarine and touching it up a little bit for the next generation, I think that's awesome. It just really doesn't get distributed very much uh, to the public for some odd reason or whatnot. Maybe it's legal, maybe what have you. But definitely this is an opportunity to see it on the big screen. And I think if you have the chance to do so, you should catch it on the big screen just to understand that part of history as far as the Beatles when they took over and became probably the biggest entity on the planet. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So, Well, those are our thoughts on the summer box office movie season. If you have thoughts on what movies you'd like to see that weren't on our list, share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Fantasy Football Pater Podcast on Facebook and Twitter as well. Any last thoughts before we go out, my friend? It's been a couple of hours since Infinity Wars ended, and I just want to watch it again. <laughs> That's probably the best way to close out our thoughts on Infinity War. And I agree with you that Infinity War is a must watch again on the theaters even if you've seen it already absolutely it's fantastic i'm wanting more i cannot wait till the next movie comes out and ant-man and wasp is something to kind of get us through but oh man it was just so incredible everything about it i loved it can't wait to see it again neither can i my friend i want to thank you so much for filling in for the evaporated probably into the soul stone josh peterson hopefully he will materialize and if not great to have you here my friend as always because i know you'll always fill in for him and definitely just so great to have you part of the pop culture cosmos always a pleasure to be on and it's a great pleasure to be a part of the pcc so for tyler baker this is gerald glassford it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos we thank you for listening And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. In a world where podcasters talk about the same old pop culture topics, two heroes must rise to bring forth a new era of podcast entertainment. The Cigar Nerds Podcast. Movie reviews, pop culture debates, news, science, and even beer reviews. We're stranger than stranger things and funnier than an evil sewer clown. CigarNerdPodcast.com
It's been three years since we last saw these two on screen together in the hit documentary Nintendo Quest. But the guys are back, and with your help on Kickstarter, they can make film magic once again with Galaxy of Hope. Welcome, this is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you joining us on this special edition of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is, again, the Galaxy of Hope project that is now out on Kickstarter. You can contribute to it today on Kickstarter. Just look for Galaxy of Hope. And I'll tell you what, I'm just so excited that these guys are back again making film together once again. In fact, I just always love it when these two are together because it always creates for a great time. It's my good friends, the stars of Nintendo Quest, Jay Bartlett, and director Rob McCallum. What's going on, guys? Gerald, how are you, my friend? Love being on it. Always awesome to have you guys on. Just appreciate the kind words. And Rob, being part of the show every week with the Cosmic Crossfire, it's always great to have you on as well, my friend. Good to be here. Excited to talk about Galaxy of Hope, the long-teased, often not-discussed project that we've had in the works for several months now that we've hinted at on, on your show many times, Gerald, with all our hope puns and innuendos it's finally out there here we go it is live right now it is on kickstarter once again just look for galaxy of hope and you will find right there all the great things going on with galaxy of hope the tears everything going on all the information indeed because it is again now live on kickstarter i guess i want to start it off with guys uh, uh, you know, whoever wants to start first, because I know you guys are never shy to talk about your projects. How did Galaxy of Hope come about? Uh, I guess I can go first on this one. I was looking for ways to avoid ever working with Jay again, and it proved itself to be impossible after a while. And I was sitting in a coffee shop with our mutual friend, Jordan Morris, who is a producer on Nintendo Quest and writer gets writing credit as well. And I said, we were talking about Jay and different things and the often discussed, you know, what about a sequel to Nintendo Quest? And what about this and what would work? And I, and I happened to say to him, I'm like, you know, Jay's been doing a ton of stuff with Echo 3, his Star Wars group uh, out of London. And I, I just thought there was an opportunity to do something that was bigger than what he was doing, which was mainly a lot of weekend events, uh, you know, kind of show up, help out for the weekend. And by the end of the weekend, that would be that. Or even just single day events, depending on uh, the situation. I thought, wouldn't it be cool if there was a quest tied around those efforts? And uh, not long after that, Jordan liked the idea. And uh, not long after that, I talked to Jay and I said, what do you think about this? A Star Wars quest. And I remember Jay thinking, I can't collect all the Star Wars toys, if that's what you're thinking. So it took some figuring out what the actual quest would be and how it would work together. Uh, But since late October, early November, the idea for the Star Wars quest was kind of sorted. Well, I'll tell you what. If you can get the cardboard Kenner pre-order slip, that would probably be the first thing I would go for. But anyways, that, that being said, Jay, I know you are actually very excited, I'm sure, being one of the biggest Star Wars fans that I know probably anywhere in this galaxy. No. Tell me tell me exactly when Rob first approached you, what were your reactions and 
you know, basically, how's it feel to be possibly going back into film once again? Uh, it feels great. Me personally, it feels where I belong. I think there's nothing more rewarding than uh, doing projects with Rob. It's a very professional and fun environment that we create. We we, we talked about, you know, let, let's just talk about what everyone is talking about. We talked about the Super Nintendo Quest, which is, you know, a huge thing that everyone wanted from us. And, and I totally, I totally understand it. We actually talked about that for years. We would have phone chats when Rob was still in, in Vegas and it just didn't, it didn't feel right. I, I like to use the analogy of one of my favorite films of all time is a Christmas story. And, you know, there's one that I won't touch, which is the sequel, which is a Christmas story too, which in my opinion would have been Super Nintendo Quest. I just, I think Nintendo Quest was so original and so unique that making a sequel, it just wouldn't work on many levels. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And it does make a lot of sense knowing that, that you both want to undertake this thing because uh, you both are big fans of the Star Wars series. Let's get that out there. But also as well, all the things that you can do with these, you know, the things that you're gathering. But the concept and idea as far as you guys going ahead and collecting again. But I want you to break it down for me, Rob, as far as what exactly do you have Jay proposed to be doing again as far as to clarify it out for everyone out there? And then where and what happens to the products as far as is concerned that he's collecting? And what happens ultimately that you wish to do for exactly for what uh, end goal as far as that's concerned? Sure, absolutely. And, I, and I'll apologize now. I am interacting with some backers that are pledging on on Kickstarter and some other people that are messaging me and a, a few different press outlets that are emailing. So if I seem distracted here a bit, it's just because I'm trying to get them some answers so that they can uh, help join the team. Yeah, well, same here. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to share that out. Plus, also, I brought it up on Kickstarter because I'm looking to make a pledge as well. Oh, nice. Excellent. Oh, well, thanks, we look, dude. Look forward to having you. The uh, The quest is really simple this time. There's there's a lot less game show like elements or rules. This is really straightforward. This is Jay. Can you go out or how I, I want you to go out and I want to know, I want to see how much star Wars merch memorabilia toys, whatever you can get that's star Wars branded. How much can you get in the scope of just one year to put into an auction where Everything that's auctioned off goes to benefit Children's Health Foundation, which is a local charity here that works with uh, kids uh, regionally to basically help improve their quality of life and help basically make sure that they've got a lot of uh, good things going on in life when the stuff that's staring at them in the face might not so uh, be so nice for them. Um, so, so the quest is Jay going out on the road, trying to see what he can get, buying low, selling high from comic shops, interacting with different collectors, seeking out celebrities, talking to people that worked on and off the camera in the actual Star Wars films or the different spinoff series and, and, and tangents. It's about connecting the fans of the Star Wars universe to the universe itself and giving back to other fans that uh, really believe in the power of the force. Uh, that's going to be amazing indeed. I know as far as a lot of excitement for you guys going on this new quest, so to speak. Uh, Jay, I want to ask you real quick, your association with the Children's Health Foundation, 
you've been mentioning it now for for at least a couple of years that I know of. I've uh, spoken to you personally in regards to the Children's Health Foundation and what it means to you. But if you can break it down in your opinion as far as how this project means to you and basically also as far as what the Children's Health Foundation has done for your life as far as in the way that you've been able to contribute to it. I connected with them uh, the very beginning of our Kickstarter trailer. I I tell a a story about how my group Echo 3 changed at at an event we did at the Children's Hospital where a boy was going to be interviewed and he didn't have the courage to do it. Um, But he grabbed Kylo Ren, who was myself at the time, and our Darth Vader, Chris Simpson. And, you know, he held both our hands and with that power, he was able to do the interview, no problem. And it really echoes in my life where the Star Wars saga has given me courage to face things that I never would have been able to before. So I instantly connect with that. How do I put it? I just instantly connect with what that, that child was going through. And again, it it did chase, it changed the face of the group. It changed everything forever. And this time it's not a self-fulfilling quest. It's, it's for other people. It's to give back. And it's what we've been doing for two years. But this is obviously on a more grand scale. And, of course, it's going to be a lot of fun because we get to explore Star Wars history, you know, talk to celebrities, collect all the cool toys from the vintage all the way up to now. And, and I think what Jay's touching on it is a massive uh, reason that Super Nintendo Quest or Sega Quest or N64 Quest, Game Boy Quest, Video Game Quest wasn't going to happen again. We didn't want to do something else that was so self-serving. And that was one of the reasons that a sequel to Nintendo Quest wouldn't have resonated with us. We didn't want to do another thing where we just continue to hoard games and go out and buy them. And did he do it this time? Did he not do it this time? This had to be bigger than just what the quest was. It had to go and have a greater impact than just one person collecting them all for the sake of a dream. It had to go to inspire other people uh, by impacting somebody and like literally changing their life. That's why we had to do it on this scale. In this way, but I tell you what, in this way has always really suited you both very, very much. In fact, I remember, I mean, that, that's how actually we got to, to know each other is basically in the promotion of Nintendo Quest before when it was just, uh, you know, a fledgling, uh, you know, type of film. And, and I was notified, Hey, there's this film producer, a film director wanted to come over and talk to us along with one of the stars. And they're like, Oh, that's great. I'll get talk. And sure enough, what almost five years later, it's been, uh, been a great pleasure and a great honor dealing with both of you guys on all these projects. I mean, You've helped us out so tremendously here, and we hope to do the same as far as for Galaxy of Hope. Uh, Jay, I want to ask you again as far as with Galaxy of Hope, you know, when you go out and collect these items that you hope to go on this quest for, and you can help this happen again on Kickstarter. Just search out for Galaxy Hope and contribute today. It is truly appreciated, and I'll tell you what, it's going to go to a great cause and for a film that definitely is going to be able to rock the world once again with uh, another one of great uh, Rob McCallum's film projects. But getting back to you, Jay, uh, what's the, what are, what, you know, what are you, what are your emotions when you go ahead and you start going around and start on this quest as far as looking at some of these treasured Star Wars trophies or artifacts or collectibles or whatever you want to phrase it as? I like the word artifact. Yeah. 
before we launched, we launched at 6 a.m. our time today. Um, and last night, one of the last things I did before uh, I went to bed was I watched Return of the Jedi. Kind of, you know, it's my favorite movie of all time. And I kind of just watched it and, again, experienced the things that made me still love Star Wars and why I love it. So I think, I mean, already we've shot in a few places, you know, for the trailer and such, but getting to see these items, some of which I never had when I was a kid, you know, so there's that nostalgia, the white whale I never had, like the shuttle Tidarium, I never had that. So Rob and I got to see like literally four or five of those in a row at the basement of this place we shot at. Just getting to see all that stuff, um, getting to meet fellow collectors like Nintendo Quest who have giant collections, you know, j- just to be able to talk to these people, I think it's going to be a real, a real treat. I hope it will be for both of you as far as obviously Rob filming it and Jay going ahead and, and doing what he can to try and uh, uh, get there and get those artifacts indeed. Rob, uh, as far as some of the initial uh, entries, as far as some people asking already to you know see what they can go ahead and contribute to it, have you already received any already or have you already received any messages as far as interest in the project from that realm? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that are eager to help, uh, whether they want to pl- or want to or are able to pledge to support the documentary because this auction is going to go on regardless of the success of Kickstarter. Uh, there's a lot of people that reach out that, you know, I have this item or I have these items. Is this of use to you? What do you think about that? And it's it's really endearing to know that you can put a link out there. Somebody can actually click it, watch it, pay attention, and get back to you without having to kind of cut out that middle section so it's nice that people are are caring and and want to participate so much and right now because they're interested i'm just saying you know hold off if we get funded you know it's the kind of thing that we'd want to film if if you're kind of in our travel path or if you're local it's a bit easier of course um but it's nice to see the grassroots vibe is starting to happen already on on day one of our kickstarter campaign for galaxy hope yeah i've had a few people reach out to me this morning too saying you know hey you know I can make it worth your while if you come to such and such city. And again, it depends, um, one, if the film gets funded and how much extra we make as far as travel goes, right? And then, of course, there's time. We all have busy families and such and work and all that. Um, which? Well, uh, I want to ask you this traveling thing, which is always, a, I don't know whether it's on the record or off the record, uh, traveling has always been a concern for Mr. Jay Bartlett. So let me ask you point blank for Galaxy Hope, for the Children's Health Foundation, what are wow. you willing to do? I feel and, like you're taking away some of my questions that I have to ask Jay in our one on one interview session, but go ahead. Okay. Well, go ahead, uh, no, you've already thrown it out there now, Mr. Glassberg. Okay. You can't take it back once you've dangled the carrot or the bunny boy. All right. Fair enough, indeed. But I will say this Jay Bartlett. What are you willing to do and where are you willing to go for the galaxy of hope? Well, I always, I always said to Rob that if we end up at uh, Mr. Hamill's doorstep, I'll get there however I can, as quick as I can. That by was pl- always my plane. No, I'll just leave it at that for now. <laughs> you know, can you use anything against me? I know you. Yeah. Um, but that was one of the things. And, and when Rob and I were talking, Rob always thinks larger than life. So it was like, you know, where where do you see this thing going? He's like, oh, I, I want you at Mark Hamill's doorstep. You know, Mark's a big, uh, he he loves doing charity work as well. So it's a no-brainer. You know, my favorite actor, 
does charity work. Uh, I don't know well, if you can ever take I'm, like, I'm for that. I'll do whatever it takes to get there, so we'll see. I don't I I'll just say this. I don't know if you can ever take a better picture than the one you already did with Mark Hamill. I think and, and if you looked at it closely, Gerald, if you actually looked at it, I am oh, absolutely no, terrified. You yeah. are in fear. Yes, you are um, in fear. The the way it was was you know, it was at a fan expo and you literally you're lined up and Mark was sitting down behind a curtain. So when it's your time, you get to go through this little booth, you literally see him for five seconds. Then you have to look at the camera and you're, you know, gone kind of thing. And I tried to keep my cool and uh, I just lost it when I saw him. Like he's so small too, right? He's like my height. He's like five, seven. He's so tiny. And I'm just thinking Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker. And there's, you know, a million things you want to say, but you can't. I just said, you know, Mr. Hamill, thank you for everything. He's like, oh, no problem. Click gone. (laughs) So maybe this time I'll get a few more minutes with him. That would be awesome. I hope you do as well because it definitely uh, is great to to see you so excited about Star Wars and everything that's going on with it and also the Galaxy of Hope as well. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. Once again, this is for the Galaxy of Hope. It has just kicked off on Kickstarter. We're live streaming this now as we speak. Hopefully, if you want to send in your questions, we'll be glad to answer them for you. Just send it to either Rob McZob on Twitter or Rob McCallum Films, Game Source, Humanic Media, or Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. You can gladly DM us, DM us or on Twitter as well. We'll be glad to answer your questions on the project. But Rob, if you want to go ahead and break down for those listening to this either now or actually when we go ahead and make this a podcast – Break down the the different things you want to accomplish, or the different things you want to go ahead and and show off and and actually reward customers for if they go ahead and back the project. Well, we've kind of made it really simple this time around. I've I've done a bunch of Kickstarters, as you know, Gerald, and um, this this one really comes down to get a copy of the film and the flavor that you want. Uh, if you just want the film as a digital copy, or just as a DVD, or as a Blu-ray. That's out there for you to get. Now, if you want to have a little bit more of the super fan experience and you want to get your hands on all the bonus features that we're going to cram in into it, then we've got the deluxe version for you too. There's versions where Jay and I sign the cover with alternate artwork on the cover. Uh, you have a chance to have your name in the credits of this film. You have a chance to be in this film. You have a chance to get an associate producer credit. You have a chance to get tickets to this auction that Jay's uh, scouring the continent uh, of uh, for toys for. You get to be there live to have one of like 150 to 200 seats to see everything kind of in the flesh. So if you're a backer now, you'll get to see what Jay was able to collect before the film comes out and kind of maybe even be in the film that way. Uh, and of course there's tickets to the premiere that'll, that'll happen in London, Ontario too. So basically it's, you know, what's your flavor of the film? How badly do you want to go as a super fan and, and get into it? And, you know, do you want to be there in the flesh? And if so, we would love to have you. Oh, that's awesome. I tell you what, again, it is galaxy hope. It is now live on Kickstarter. You got to go ahead and back it today because 
not only is it the spiritual successor to Nintendo Quest, but also the end goal as far as the auction of all those Star Wars artifacts, collectibles, whatever you want to say. All these Star Wars goodies are going to be auctioned off and all the proceeds will go to the Children's Health Foundation. I know, uh, Jay, that the Children's Health Foundation, they were told ahead of time that you guys were going to go ahead and do this. Um, what were their thoughts as far as you guys undertaking this type of venture? Um, well, my contact, Alicia, I met her a couple of years ago when we were doing um, just a few of the smaller events. And I called the office the one day. I remember telling Rob, I'm like, I'm just going to call them and pitch them the idea. And I actually spoke to her boss. And right off the bat, they were super thrilled and excited, um, which I was kind of surprised. I didn't know, you know, what a corporation like that was going to think, you know, they got to protect their name and all that kind of thing. Um, but they met with us a few times um, before Rob and I started actually writing the film and they were, they were all for it. They, they love, they love the idea. They think it's great. They've never seen anything like that done before. So that was kind of cool that we can be the first um, kind of partner that they've had in that way. Uh, but I can't stress enough that every single item that I collect for the auction, all the proceeds go to the Children's Health Foundation, plain and simple. And that's kind of the the thing that I think makes it tricky because every decision you make, you know, affects the outcome of, of what, what's going to happen, right? Like it's not your personal collection. It's not your personal bias where you're trying to go get all the Return of the Jedi stuff because you like it most. You've got to go out and get the most valuable stuff by any means necessary. And you've got to play that chess game and constantly have that inventory that's going on in your mind, knowing that every decision you make affects every dollar that gets turned over. Uh, and I mean, there's decisions with time as well, right? Do we go and drive two hours to the next city or do we drive eight hours to the other city and know that there's maybe a better shop there? Cause we've got a message from somebody that says, this is what, this is what matters. You know, that we've got something here for you. And we're going to pass up other things. It's it's sort of like what we dealt with with Nintendo Quest, but on a much bigger scale. And I mean, if there's other travel options now possibly on the table for this, then it's do you get on a train plane to go to this other spot where there's a lead? Because we've only got a year, which sounds like a lot of time to a lot of people, but it's really not that much time. It really isn't. No, I mean, gathering everything that we did for the trailer took many months, and that went by in a heartbeat. And well, again, in, in Nintendo Quest, if you haven't seen it, it is one of the best video game documentaries out there. Everybody thought at the initially, oh, 30 days, that is not going to be anything. That shouldn't be anything. But when life gets in the way, it does make that time consideration a lot different, correct? Well, yeah, absolutely. It wasn't a full 30 days with with our work schedule and that. What was it, Rob? 18, 19, something like that? I think it ended up being 22, Yeah, uh, give or take, with some half days kind of meshed together. But it wasn't a full 30 days. And it's not like we're going to have 365 days to go on this quest either. This is going to be probably like once, maybe twice a month for three to five day spurts, you know, with 12 different kind of trips. Now, that's going to also prove to be interesting in other ways, because when we go on one or two, when it comes time to that third or fourth trip, we're going to have some experience and knowledge about what we completely want to do differently, where we really want to spend the time. 
and and how we want to go forward as a kind of a unit. And Jay's going to have a lot more stuff to focus on with two months, say, behind him with two treks. What has he got in the inventory going on his third trip, which represents maybe 25% of his journey? But guys, we don't get to see any of this documentary unless you fund it on Kickstarter. So you got to go to Kickstarter, search Galaxy of Hope, uh, pledge, you know, 25 bucks to get the digital version or get the deluxe Blu-ray edition with us signing on it. So you can see what this quest is like and see the, the entire thing play out as one documented journey. It's going to be an adventure, but you won't get to see any of it unless we hit our goal on Kickstarter. Everything on Kickstarter goes to funding the documentary. Uh, all the auction proceeds go to Children's Health, of course. And Jay's got his own budget to buy the toys with and the memorabilia and the merchandise. So. There's, there's three kind of moving parts there, but the documentary will not happen unless we're successful on Kickstarter. Definitely. Again, you got to check that out on Kickstarter today. That's Galaxy of Hope on that. I know, Jay, you wanted to say something? I'm sorry. Oh, no, that, that's okay, man. I was just going to say that um, I, won't, I won't you know ever give anything away, but the small amount of meetings we've had and interviews we've had with people, um, I'll, I'll just tease this. Uh, my associate, Paul, who is also an Echo 3 with, with myself, we met with someone and we saw an item that may or may not be in the auction, but it literally, and I'm not even kidding, it brought Paul and I both to tears. That's all I'm going to tease. So again, this is one of those things that you guys want to definitely back because I couldn't believe we saw this item and that this particular individual was willing to to help us with the auction with it so a little bit of a tease there and it's not just the items too right like the items are are part of it like the item is like the that little that olive branch that gets us kind of into the adventure and it's like oh what can we get but what's the story behind that item and how did the person or shop or whatever get that item and what's that story and what does it mean to them and what is that human element that's going to connect us all together through these objects that belong to this franchise that have, that has been around for generations now you know so like it's it's really breaking it down and connecting us on a bigger level than not many other franchises out there can do that's correct. It is, again, Galaxy of Hope. It is now live on Kickstarter. You just got to type in Galaxy of Hope, and you can become a part of the magic today that will be hopefully, hopefully, be uh, be coming to fruition as far I as... I hope you continue to do that. And I hope indeed. But it's, it's definitely uh, great to have, again, Jay Bartlett and also as well, director Rob McCallum, you know them from Nintendo Quest, one of the best video game documentaries ever. So you know you're going to get a quality project. Rob has directed many outstanding projects. And actually, you know, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you, Rob, is you've now dealt with so many different types of documentaries. How is that experience from creating Nintendo Quest, Missing Mom, Kitty, a, a document, Kitty Origins uh, and Evolutions, also as well, uh, Castle of Grayskull, the He-Man documentary. How is that experience from all those projects going to help shape Galaxy of Hope? Well, nothing uh, exists in isolation, right? You always bring everything forward with you, uh, whether you mean to or not. And uh, much like the films that I made prior to making Kitty, like Missing Mom and Nintendo Quest, it really informed 
uh, my experience with that story and that experience with Kitty and everything before it informed uh, my experience on Power of Grayskull. And I know there's going to be a lot of overlap and there's going to be a lot of discussion about how Nintendo Quest and Galaxy of Hope are similar because it's a travel element, a quest element, Jay's in the hot seat. But I think that there's an opportunity to still go in different directions, maybe look at some of these offshoot tangents in a different way and dig a bit deeper, maybe uh, take the amount of content we get as well and, and expand it in different ways. In fact, our stretch goals on Kickstarter, when you look up Galaxy of Hope there, you'll see that we got like kind of a, a diet or a light version of Galaxy of Hope that we can do that doesn't have as much travel for the film crew. We have a medium version that has a lot more travel, which would be kind of like the Nintendo Quest level. And then you have the deluxe version, which is a lot of travel and kind of everything to the max. And that's where we get enough footage to actually turn this into a series. Now, we've done a series before with the Power Tour that sold all over the world. So we're really confident in that format and how that works and how that appeals to the demographics as well. So I really think Galaxy Hope is really that combination between personal story, uh, human heart, awesome pop culture collectibles, traveling uh, and road trips with your buddy, and really getting to the heart of making an impact uh, and affecting a lot of people's lives. Because you two never have fun together when you're together. Rarely. Never. Rarely. Never. Hi, my name's Ian. And I'm Chris. And we host a podcast called Dadcast Unknown. Where every two weeks we talk about being a dad and being a nerd and sometimes being a nerdy dad at the same time. We'll talk about everything from movies to comics. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, iTunes at Dadcast Unknown, uh, and also on any of your most popular podcatcher apps. Join us. Laugh with us. Make fun of us. Uh, as long as you're listening, we don't care. <laughs> That's a good way to end it. I do have a question that's been sent to me from uh, Jordan Morris, who's listening and watching. If I can throw that out there to the group or to Jay, I guess. Jay, uh, Jordan says, if a celebrity backs the project and they were game, would you be willing to auction off a chance to meet them or some other kind of experience instead of just material things? Oh, absolutely. I think that would be fantastic. And, and I mean, again, it's again. up to them, really. Yeah, it's up to the, the celebrity. And again, not to spoil anything, but I, I've been in contact with, with some people, you know, so it's it, it's really quite exciting. Um, well, listen to you, Mr. Hollywood. My people know your people. We'll do lunch sometime. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's also a little known fact. I'm going to be in episode nine, but I haven't released that yet. <laughs> um, no, I think that would be fantastic. I mean, as a Star Wars fan, there's nothing greater than getting to actually meet someone who is in the films being director special effects guy actor so i think that would be wonderful so jordan absolutely my friend and we got to stop and pause for a moment of celebration and uh, and a big thank you to uh, pop culture cosmos who is now officially a backer of galaxy of hope you too can oh. become a backer on galaxy hope by going to kickstarter.com searching out galaxy hope or just by searching on twitter uh for jay and my streams and you'll find the link out there kickstarter.com galaxy hope become a backer today you can get in the door for as little as 15 Canadian dollars, which is like, you know, $5 everywhere else in the world. <laughs> well, that's what I was like, you know, typing it in there. And it's like, oh, all right, there's your contribution. This is what you, it's actually going to cost you here in the U.S. And this is actually what it relates to in Canadian funds. So when you go to Kickstarter, 
just basically go off the tiers that you're seeing as far as what you want to choose. And then you'll see as far as the amount that's there, both in Canadian funds, but also what it relates to in U.S. funds as well. So, Yeah, and I got to say, we were really trying to gear it towards American audiences, which is why some of the numbers are weird. But the currency is changing every day with the Canadian dollar, for better or worse. So that's why some of those numbers are just a little bit wonky here and there. And I don't know if they're going to change day to day. I don't know if they'll finally be kind of like solidified when the campaign ends, according to that currency exchange. But that's why it's a little bit wonky with some of those numbers, because we tried to round it out for our the American audience first and foremost. Well, we truly appreciate it here, and uh, I'm just proud to be a backer, and I'm wishing all the best for you guys, or I'm hoping for the best for, for you guys as far as this project is concerned. Once again, it is Galaxy of Hope. It is now live on Kickstarter, but I know for a fact that not a lot of people out there know as much about Star Wars Echo 3 as maybe you want them to know, so... Tell everyone out there your your opportunity with Star Wars Echo 3, because obviously your work with that group has obviously led to something bigger with the Galaxy of Hope. Yeah, Echo 3 was my, um, I, I should say Echo 3 is my Star Wars fan group that I formed uh, just a few years ago. Just basically, I, I needed something different. We just came off the power tour the Force Awakens was just gearing up as we were finishing the Power Tour, actually. And and I've probably told this story on your show before, but I really identified with Kylo Ren. And I didn't know why, because you only saw the backside of him in the first trailer. Didn't know anything about the character. But Rob can attest, I had a the Force Awakens Kylo Ren figure that I took with me across the country as kind of my, like, guardian. And um, Oh, how cute. Yeah, yeah. And I had... Uh, a friend of mine, Amber, that was a, she's just a wonderful cosplayer, and her and I did some shots in the forest to kind of recreate Ren and, and Ray. And it snowballed from there. We met some really great people um, and made a conscious decision that we love all Star Wars. We love all Star Wars groups. We didn't want this divide very much like Nintendo Quest. You know, we accept everybody. So we kind of formed our own group, and it just went on from there. Um, did a bunch of events, you know, Blu-ray releases, uh, mall appearances, things like that. But again, it goes back to the children's hospital that day and how the direction changed. And, and if I may really quickly, a, f- a fan, I will say a fan, reached out to me today. We're actually going to um, a hospital a few hours away in Hamilton on May 4th because uh, the mother of this child named Xavier contacted us uh, in January Um, Xavier passed away. Um, He was nine or 10 years old and, you know, he was very, very sick, but he lived basically in the hospital for the last couple of years of his life. And he had all these treatments, you know, numerous treatments weekly, monthly. All he wanted to do, this boy was to get better so that he could get out of his hospital bed and put on his Kylo Ren or Darth Vader outfit to go visit the other kids. She contacted me this morning, and she's like, you know, I, I can't wait to see you guys May 4th. And we, I, I just saw the trailer for Galaxy Hope, and I actually, you know, I lost it. Like, I just broke down in tears. And, and she wanted she wanted us to know, Rob, that Xavier's with us. Those yeah. are the human stories that I'm talking yes. about. That's, that's the power of a film like this. That's the power 
of what we're trying to do. Yeah, we're trying to get a documentary funded so that we can film all this stuff. But when that film is done, it gets to go out there and inspire other people to do similar things and to think about things in a different way. And you can't manufacture that. You can't do this. And once you get a taste for helping others, especially through the thing that you love and the thing that they love, when you have that common bond, it's it's almost like nothing else matters. And I'll tell you right now, it puts a lot of crap into perspective. You know, we complain about the weather or our phone is old or it doesn't work or, you know, we can't watch the latest sports game or whatever the thing is. We complain about a lot of petty crap. And then you start working with people and fans that have truly limited scopes of life by comparison. And when you can just spend time with them, not even do anything, just spend time with them and talk to them about something like Star Wars, it brightens up their day. So, you know, I don't want to be like on the high horse or the or the pedestal and say, we've got a responsibility. But like Jay says in the trailer, if we can do something to help, why wouldn't we? And that's yeah. what this documentary will do. This documentary film is forever, you know, and this documentary gets to go out and help forever. And that's why we want to get funded on Kickstarter. So go to Kickstarter, look for Galaxy of Hope, help us fund this documentary so we can document Jay's journey and his quest to get all these toys, memorabilia, and seek out these celebs and people that work in front of the camera and behind the camera to get them a part of this once-in-a-lifetime auction where all the proceeds go to help the Children's Health Foundation. You get to see it all unfold before your eyes. And then you get to share this project and this film with other people. And I can't stress enough, Rob and I, uh, if you know us at all, we're all over social media all the time. So if you are a collector, if you're a cosplayer with an interesting story, these are all segments we're looking to feature as well. Um, So it's not just me collecting and going out there. It's, again, like Rob said, very much in the vein of Nintendo Quest. We want to feature the collectors. We want to feature uh, the people who dress up, who aren't necessarily in Echo 3, who, who... do what we do to, to help people. We want to feature them. So please reach out to me, reach out to Rob. Uh, if you guys have a good story, if you've got a great collection that you want to, to showcase, um, yeah, drop us a line, please. Absolutely. And if you go on our Kickstarter page, you'll see on the bottom right underneath the rewards, there is a chance for you to reach out and message us directly. You can go there. You can, you can see that we've got three things. Uh, listed out there do you have a podcast do you have a website where you'd like to interview us or talk to us like we are now send us a message do you know anybody that has worked on the star wars films or in the films in any capacity send us a message do you have an incredible piece of star wars memorabilia or merchandise that you would like in the auction and or that we could possibly film in the documentary send us a message i do want to give a couple shout outs to some good friends of ours who have recently become backers uh, shout out to Ryan Bates, Tim Wendell, and Steve Schwarzentruber, our latest backers of, of Galaxy of Hope here. We're, uh, we're trucking along here, fellas. We're, we're making a, a dent now in, a, in our campaign goal, and we're doing it. We're doing it, man. Oh, that's great news indeed. Once again, it is Galaxy of Hope. You can help make this happen today on Kickstarter. Just go ahead and search out on kickstarter.com. Galaxy of Hope, and you can actually pick the tier which you're interested in as far as which prize or which which action do you want to download? Do you want the DVD or do you want something more? It's all there for you. It is Galaxy of Hope on Kickstarter. 
Jay, I, I know you're back collected now, and and I know you're a little bit uh, emotional as far as what the ramifications as far as this auction and what it goes to. But if you can tell me as a Star Wars fan what this means to you, again, as far as you being able to actually have a chance to collect these items and the good that will come from it. Uh, it means everything. I mean, to take the thing that's been with me my entire life, which is Star Wars, literally since I was two, and I thank my mom for that. It has helped me through some of the hardest times, and it continues to teach me, if that makes sense, daily. To be able to go and collect the old and the new and get to see these artifacts, meet these people, uh, I'm really quite blessed to be able to give such an opportunity to, to get such an opportunity. So I, I'm, I'm so excited. Ask Rob. I'm constantly calling him daily and he's like, okay, calm down, relax. You know, we're not, we're not funded yet. Relax. And Oh no, but I got another idea and just throwing ideas out there. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really super excited. Well, that's, that's awesome. Anita, I know you will be brimming with anticipation as far as what exactly you're, you're going to go next or, or where you're going to go to as far as to get that next collectible. And it's just so awesome that this could become a possibility in reality, but it has to become fully funded on Kickstarter in order to do so. And you can do so today on kickstarter.com. Just search out Galaxy Hope. Rob, I, I got to ask you that the question is is out there, and I know that that's something that obviously makes the basis for this pr- uh, proposed project. But what makes Star Wars a great pop culture anchor for this type of personal quest? Well, I think the main reason Star Wars is a, is a great backdrop for this is because there is so much humanity in Star Wars. So Star Wars is all about people helping other people for the greater good. Uh, you know, you see Luke Skywalker selflessly put himself at you know risk and put himself in harm's way so that the world can essentially be a better place. You, you see it with characters all the time. Uh, basically stand up for what's right or try to make a difference, even if that difference is not easy or ridiculously hard and in the face of, you know, mortal uh, danger. And that's what this is about. You know, Jay doesn't have to go out and leave his sofa and go out into the world. Jay doesn't have to raise $100,000, but he set this goal because it's important that he does everything in his power to, to help this charity foundation. He wants to help kids who can't help themselves. And that's very much uh, what Star Wars is. And we've we whether you liked it or didn't like the last Jedi, the latest installment of, of the main saga, that's an undertone all the way through it. You know, a small band, a pocket full, a handful of rebels trying to survive this overarching evil that's nipping at their heels. That's a lot like the world we live in today. And if you just got a little bit of courage to stand up against it and think outside the box, well, you can make a difference. And that's what this is about. So that's why Star Wars is a, is, is a great backdrop to, to what we're trying to do. Now, one quick question I have on the auction itself. Uh, hopefully, it does come to fruition and everything goes well. And let's say it's fully funded on Kickstarter, films done, and or films being done and processed, and and you're going ahead and cover the actual auction itself. You said it's going to be a live auction in the London, Ontario area. Is there any way for people from outside anywhere in the world to go ahead and bid on some of these collectibles that you do go ahead? You know that are that are obviously very graciously gifted to you. 
We're exploring a, a bunch of different options, I think, is the safest answer. We know that it's going to definitely be held live, and we're going to have between 150 to 200 seats for sure. We are exploring a possible live component, but we also think there's something special to being here, to seeing the people directly that you're going to impact when when you buy stuff. Now, I don't want to say, well, you know, somebody out there could have thousands and thousands of dollars to bid on something, and why would you cut that person off from, you know, helping out the charity? There may just be a different kind of split. We may have online items that are kind of silent auction. We may have the bigger stuff that is in person. It's all going to come down to logistics, and part of that is getting sorted out. That's part of what you're going to see in this documentary, how we build this auction to cater to the best end result for Children's Health Foundation. It's uh, it's going to be an undertaking to put on an event of this magnitude in conjunction with you know Heroes Comics in town and London Comic Con, of course, which is the the hosting body sponsor uh, of the of the auction itself. Now, both you guys have mentioned that you will go, uh, you know, be on you know various pop culture podcasts, radio shows, TV, whatever appearances you need to make in order to help this Kickstarter happen. One of the things I wanted to ask, and I know Josh uh, Peterson, my co-host, he wants to go ahead and get you guys on one of his shows, Topicocalypse, whenever you guys are able to. But what are some of the things that you're, you know, in your experience in dealing with the press and handling it as far as the the personal appearances that you guys made before Nintendo Quest and Rob again with uh, Kitty Origins and Evolution? How do you think that's going to help you out in helping – the galaxy of hope come to fruition and in getting it uh, done on Kickstarter. I I personally think just, just it's going to help spread the word. The, the more people know, you know, they're going to tell their friends and your buddy's got a show. There you go. So there's one more connection we made in, in a few minutes, right? It's really just spreading the word. Uh, Rob and I, you know, I can't speak for the other films, but for Nintendo quest, you know, Rob and I did every single interview every single podcast, every single news article. I mean, to be put in this position and to have somebody want to have you on their show and to talk to you is an absolute privilege. So, you know, I, I wouldn't turn anyone down. Fair enough. And then also as well, Rob, I know you're going to be doing the media rounds as well when it comes to Galaxy of Hope. Uh, when you're on some of these outlets, basically, uh, what are you looking to go ahead and accomplish as far as outside of just going ahead and just informing them what Galaxy Hope is all about. Well, obviously we want the documentary to get funded because we see a really large end game when this film is done and on a disc or in a digital file that can get shared everywhere. And, you know, sue me later, but in a world where there's a ton of digital piracy, this is kind of like the film that you almost want to get pirated because at least that message gets out there and it'll make people think. So, I mean, the... The one thing I want I want to get out of the the chance to speak on these different shows is really, you know, if you have a chance to do good in any way possible, then you should do it. I mean, why why are you sitting back? And if you have a chance to do good through the things that you love, do that as well. Uh, you know, I want to share the story of Andy Morrison, who's a, a really brave and courageous girl, a huge Star Wars fan. Her dog's name is Jedi. That should just give you some sort of indication of her level of passion. And I want to be able to talk about the Children's Health Foundation and the wonderful work that they're doing at the Children's Hospital uh, here in London, Ontario. It's There's there's a lot of dynamics to this, but it all comes down to uh, giving uh, as much back as you can 
uh, in order to, to make a bigger difference. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Well, Galaxy of Hope has already gotten off to a great start on Kickstarter, but it definitely needs a lot more help in order to go all the way and get fully funded and fully backed on Kickstarter. So please, we need your help and we need your contribution today. Just check out kickstarter.com and search out Galaxy Hope and just choose any tier is, is greatly appreciated. Guys, when it comes to people contributing to the Galaxy of Hope on Kickstarter, as far as you know, has some you know, what are some of the reactions as far as how much people are going to do for you? As far as how much are people going to you know, are they really excited because they saw your work previously in Nintendo Quest? There's a lot of that, you know, and we've been like Rob said at the beginning of the show here. We've not teased, but we've talked a lot about wanting to do more. And it was just a case of what felt right. And this feels right. So, yeah, everyone I've talked to today has been real supportive. Uh, I mean, if you follow me on any kind of social media, it's just not too hard to crack what the next project was. I mean, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So uh, everyone's been really positive and really supportive, which is which is great. And well, a lot of you guys kind of threw everybody for a curve on April Fool's Day. Well, I'm going to hang on, hang on. I'm going to clear that up. That was McCallum. Okay, I said you know what I said. You were involved with it, though. No, you were involved with it. Don't don't take yourself out of that. Don't throw him under the bus. But I said, do you think this is such a great idea before we launch a Kickstarter to have the Super Nintendo joke? And he's like, absolutely, I do. He's like, it's fun, and it was it was fun. People, there wasn't anyone angry. It was just like, oh darn, kind of thing. But and don't get me wrong, we love video games. I play this game here all too often, right? So, um, but it was just the right right thing that we needed to do. Uh, Rob, if it comes down to it, uh, is that still on the table or at some point in time after Galaxy Hope, like after you said the two years of your life that, that you want to hopefully devote to it, uh, is that still something on the table down the road as far as it's concerned? Because obviously you guys saw a lot of feedback from that April Fool's joke. Uh, like we said earlier, I just don't think Super Nintendo Quest or Sega Quest really adds up to something bigger right now. Not in the same context of Nintendo Quest where Jay or myself are going out to get these games to benefit a bookshelf that collects dust 90% of the time for the sake of playing a cartridge in our limited free time that we get. I don't you have free I, I can't time? speak wait, on wait, behalf wait, wait. of Jay, but I want to ask this. I want to ask you have free time. Well, that's just it, right? Like uh, <laughs> it just doesn't exist. Right. So it's, it's really hard to, to want to commit to something that's going to just end up on, on my shelf when it could do something better. So would super Nintendo quest be better if there was a charity auction at the end? Maybe, but I can't see everybody getting in the room to buy super Nintendo games. Uh, or or want to come in person for that? Maybe as a as a complete set, one massive auction. I I don't know. And I think if there was going to be anything in the future with video games, in in my, 
my personal opinion, it would have to be some kind of series. Um, Nintendo Quest, you meet the protagonist, myself, you go on a journey with me, you watch me grow, you watch me change at the end. So if we were going to do Super Nintendo Quest, yeah, sure, a lot has changed in my life in five years, but you still you still know me, right? So that whole thing is kind of taken out of it. Um, I think a series would make a lot more sense. Again, Rob and I just both, we're not at that spot right now. This This makes sense. Uh, it does, it does. And this is something that you both seem to have a great passion for. It is the Galaxy of Hope project that is going to be, well, actually, it's live right now on Kickstarter. And if you fully fund this, I'll tell you what, it's going to be a great project worth taking as far as for both these guys, but also going to lead into a great documentary. Rob, I'll tell you what, it, it, you know, how excited are, are you for doing Galaxy Hope, especially coming off a great documentary in Kitty's Origins and Evolution? Well, I mean, it feels like I'm never off anything long enough to really enjoy it as I massage the stress lines on my face. I'm still in the middle of box art. We've barely finished uh, Power of Grayskull. Kitty is finally out there, even though that was done a year and a half ago. Legal. And it's back, it's back available on Amazon.com, correct? I don't even know, to be honest. I imagine you can find it there. Um, I had a lot of fun making this, uh, you know, what we, this campaign with Jay. And when we put the trailer together, it was, it was something for me to actually stand back and be really proud of. It felt right. It felt like everything that I liked about Nintendo Quest, but boiled down into like two really quality filled minutes instead of just bits and pieces here and there. So if you're a fan of Nintendo Quest, what I would say to expect from Galaxy Hope, maybe on a, a technical level or on a filmmaking level, is more refined, better gear, better looking images. We plan to shoot the majority of it in 4K. Um, there just comes a whole lot of ex- expertise and experience now to do something like this. And uh, when you can kind of go through it once, uh, that's your learning experience. And when you get to do it twice, then you're really becoming like a pro at it. And this is kind of like my third quest film, given that Missing Mom was a bit of a, a road movie too. So I really have a good grasp on how to handle the travel and, and how to set this stuff up. So I, I'm I'm itching for the chance to really flesh this out and really make something big of it uh, and really use all the contacts that Jay and I have developed up to now. You know we pour our hearts into everything we do. We just need the help to get this off the ground. If you can go to Kickstarter, back Galaxy of Hope, get yourself a digital copy, a DVD, a Blu-ray, be an associate producer. If you've got a great game store or a toy store, you can have an above-the-line credit in this film. So before the title comes, you will see Pyre Productions presents in association with your wicked toy store, galaxy of hope after that like how cool would that be as you would say wicked for the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture head on over to our brand new site www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com what is the geekly oddcast it's a panel show of television I mean, seriously, where else was I supposed to go and watch Gomez Adams ride a rocket ship on a railroad track? Gaming. And the dice say... 17. Oh my god, 17 is Mystic Quest. And whatever comes to mind. 
Why does Zod need a starship? Alternating Thursdays on the Geekly Oddcast. Before we head on out, once again, it is live on Kickstarter. It is Galaxy Hope. Guys, uh, and I'll start with you first, Rob. Your final thoughts on what you want to achieve with Galaxy Hope and what you want to send as a message, a final message to everyone that could potentially be a backer out there. This is the time. Now is the time. If you want to see this film, if you believe in what the film represents, go to Kickstarter, uh, be a backer, share the project link, uh, share the message. Um, We get one chance to fund this. It's all or nothing. Uh, We need every single possible dollar and every single possible person. So whether it's, you know, the 10 bucks you want to put down for a digital copy or it's the hundred dollars you want to plunk down to become an associate producer, be a part of this project, be with it on the ground level. Let's take it to the next stage and let's really make a difference through the power and awesome culture of star Wars. And Jay, your final thoughts and uh, what this would mean to you and, and what do you want to say out there to everyone that could potentially, again, be a backer for this great project? Uh, Andy is a very special little girl uh, with some very serious health issues um, that needs my help, that needs your help. She's one of many kids who rely on this program to survive. There's nothing in this world I love more passion-wise than the Star Wars saga. And I think you're going to see that tenfold in this film. This will be a unique Star Wars movie unlike anything ever created. There hasn't been anything like this out there. So this isn't just a documentary on toy collecting. This isn't just a documentary on cosplay. There's a lot of heart to it, and it's going to encompass everything. It's a love letter to, to Star Wars. It is, but also is a love letter to helping out those in need. And remember, all the items that will be collected if the film comes to fruition will go to the Children's Health Foundation, which supports many needy kids in many hospitals. And the joy that you could help bring these kids with the auction, which will come about if this film is funded, is going to be truly immeasurable. And hopefully, again pardon the pun, but hopefully this will come to fruition, but it will so only if you back it today. That's Galaxy of Hope. That is, again, Galaxy of Hope on Kickstarter.com. You just go to Kickstarter.com. You check out and search for Galaxy of Hope. You go ahead and make a contribution today. You just go ahead and look and see which tier is of greatest interest to you. And and just please, every little bit helps to help make this happen. And again, both you guys, I just hope that it will come to fruition. Rob, Jay, it's been a great pleasure having you on as far as, as the special edition of the Cosmic Crossfire, the Pop Culture Cosmos, and the PCC Multiverse. Check us out. We're streaming online every single day on online radio, and also as well, twice a week, available on over 30 different podcast networks. If you get a chance, you'll hear more updates on this project. You'll hear more thoughts from Rob and hopefully Jay as well as we continue this Kickstarter. And we'll also, at you know, as it nears the finality of it, we'll also go live as well to go ahead and hopefully thank everyone for hopefully fully funding this project so guys thanks again i appreciate it rob and jay just 
truly great to have you aboard. That is, again, Jay Bartlett and Rob McCallum. They're hopefully going to be able to be working on this great project. It is Galaxy Hope, now live on Kickstarter. If you remember how great Nintendo Quest was, Missing Mom, Kitty, Origins and Evolution, look out because here's another great one on the way. Guys, it's just been a great pleasure having you both on this special edition of the Pop Culture Cosmos. And my best to you and hope that this project gets funded.